Hello. I'm Kelly. And I'm Sarah. And this is Community Spotlight. We are students in the College and Career Studies program at UK. This radio segment will spotlight different things in the local community each week. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Community Spotlight podcast. This podcast was started by students in the College and Career Studies program at the University of Kentucky. It is a space for students in inclusive higher education programs to explore topics of interest and connect with people in the community. If you are interested in learning more or being on the podcast, please reach out and let us know. On today's show, our topic is impactful stories. Our guests are Will, Sarah, and Jacob, all students at UK. Sarah is a student in the College and Career Studies program and is also studying Universal Design. Will is a student in the Universal Design Certificate program and is doing his practicum this semester around libraries and literary interests. Jacob is a social work student and peer mentor and is also interested in literary topics and creative writing. Today we would like to talk about how stories are important in our lives. Stories can be entertaining, but they are more than that. They also can impact our lives and minds in many ways. Whether we engage with stories through books, magazines, movies, plays, TV shows, or other formats, they can have a big effect on the way we think about the world. Today, our guests will talk about some of the stories that have most impacted their views on the world and the human condition. Hello, Will, Sarah, and Jacob. Thanks for being with us today. How are you all doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. I am fantastic. I'm very excited to be recording this. Thank you. So we focused a lot on the shared interest of stories in our practicum work. We engage with stories using multiple media formats, including books, essays, short fiction, movies, graphic narratives, comics, animated series, TV shows, plays, and many others. What are some of your favorite ways to engage with stories and why? How about you, Will? Well, I like to visualize the story in my head when I read a book or listen to a podcast. It helps me cope with the escapism to the realities I'm facing with or I hear the dreadful news. That is an excellent reason. Thank you. Sarah, how about you? One of my favorite ways to engage with stories is to read a book while listening to a recording of the book. It helps me focus and I understand the story better. I sometimes like to use closed captioning when watching a story on TV, DVD, or YouTube. Excellent. How about you, Jacob? Yeah, um, I'm going to have to agree with Will when I say like my favorite way is just engaging with books with my imagination. I think it's so amazing to become immersed in a story just in general when you read the words on the page, but imagination really can bring the words to life and give you some imagery into what you're reading. Um, in turn, I really um, I really think it's going to help you understand the story 10 times better that way. I totally agree. So stories are not only entertaining, they can also give important perspective that can change how we think about ourselves and other people and the world. So what are some ways that stories can help us to think about things in a new way? 
Well, I enter the characters' perspectives on their thoughts and feelings, how they think and what they feel, uh, what they're going through. That is an excellent point. One way that stories help us think about things in a new way is by telling the story from a different point of view. We might learn that a story has a different meaning than what we originally thought. Absolutely. Yeah, um, stories can really help us think about things in so many different ways. Um, I feel like stories withhold messages that everyone is able to see, which can be common to a lot of different people. And I feel like it's just a super unique thing about reading because sometimes I really feel like it can bring a whole crowd of people together who can relate to the same things. Um, and stories also have the unique ability to elevate the way we think and let us imagine and see stuff that we've never uh, like done before. So like in a way, they can really help us create morals for ourselves. And then uh, the characters and stories can be really influential to how we see the world as well. Absolutely. I think these are all ways that imagination and what we call reality kind of come together in magical ways with stories, which is one of the cool things about them. We've talked recently about some of the stories we each feel have helped us change our perspective in some way. Maybe they have helped us think about the world in a new way or challenged views we already had. One example is fairy tales. Sarah and Will, you're both taking a class now about fairy tales in European context. What are some of the fairy tales you're discussing in that class this semester? Well, we've recently read Rumpelstiltskin, The Three Spinners, The Lady Spinner, Hansel and Gretel, Molly Whipple, Thumbling, Mutz Meg, and now we've read Snow White. Excellent. And you mentioned uh, Hansel and Gretel. What are some of the themes of this story and how do they relate to social issues in the modern world? One of the themes of Hansel and Gretel was about abandoning children. Child abandonment was a real-world problem in the 17th through 19th centuries. One example is that children were abandoned when families had too many children, no birth control, and couldn't feed them. Another theme had to do with greed. Times were hard and people were hungry. In this story, the parents were so greedy that they were willing to abandon their children and put them in danger to make sure they had enough food for themselves. And that's really interesting. A lot of people probably don't know or think about those issues in relation to that story, but see it as a simple children's story. So that's one of the really interesting things about fairy tales. Did you have any other thoughts about Hansel and Gretel, Will? Yes. There's also child abandonment and hunger that I agree with Sarah, but also not taking candy from strangers, which is a life lesson that a lot of people need to learn about. Agreed. I think that taking candy from strangers might be more of like what children can learn from themselves. Yes, and that's probably one of the, the things that's most often talked about. As, as you all know, sometimes fairy tales are uh, presented as children's stories when they may have originated as something a little bit more complex than that. Um, but there are there are things in them for all ages, for sure. Rumpelstiltskin is another fairy tale you all have mentioned. What are some themes or social issues from that story that might make us think about the world in a deeper way? Well, there is some anti-Semitism. How Rumpel is portrayed as a Jewish stereotype with the hooked nose, dark skin, curly, long beard, and dwarvish appearance. One of the main themes in Rumpel's Stiltskin is that a person should always tell the truth and be responsible for their actions. 
If the miller and his daughter hadn't told the king she could spend gold out of straw, they could have avoided making a deal with Rumpelstiltskin and almost losing a child. Yes, there are a lot of themes in it. Some of the things you mentioned, Sarah, are things that people might understand at, at, at first read. Part of what you mentioned, Will, I think probably a, a lot of people might not notice that or not have realized that that could be seen as that type of a stereotype or that it might be anti-Semitic. So it was very interesting themes. If you dig deeper into fairy tales, we can learn a lot more about the complexity of them. And in addition to fairy tales, there are many other types of stories that have been depicted a lot in popular culture. We've talked before about The Wizard of Oz as an example of a story that many people know and engage with. Most people encountered the original movie version of that story. Before the movie, though, it was a children's book called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, written by L. Frank Baum. After the well-known movie version in 1939, it has since seen many spin-off versions and variations that have also gotten a lot of attention in society. Will, can you tell us about some of the different variations of the Oz stories before we go into uh, interpretation? Well, there is Wicked, The Wiz, and Tin Man, which are reimaginings of the L. Frank Baum novels. Yes, and some of those have gotten a lot of attention in recent years for sure. How do you think the different versions and variations handle concepts of good and evil differently? Well, in Wicked, it is told to the witches, the Witch of the West's perspective, how she was used as a scapegoat by the rich and powerful, including the wizard, whom that society blames people who are not, who don't look and think and feel different. That's a good point. I will say in the 1939 Wizard of Oz movie, good and evil are easy to identify in Oz and seem to be in balance. For example, there is a good witch to balance a bad witch. I haven't seen Wicked, but this is a musical version of the Wizard of Oz story. I have read that the focus on good and evil and wicked is more about how both good and evil can be inside of a person. It would not be the only musical that deals with that kind of thing, though. True. And I'm sure we will get to some more of those later in this conversation. Maybe. Jacob, did you want to uh, chime in about The Wizard of Oz at all? Sure. Um, I didn't even know there were so many different variations of The Wizard of Oz. I am super familiar with the uh, 1939 adaptation with Judy Garland. I think that one's like really i don't know it's really fun to watch and it's uh it just kind of gives me like a feel of nostalgia but i've been uh i like was doing some research about the wizard of oz and there are so many adaptations like will said tin man and then i've also seen something called his majesty the scarecrow and the patchwork girl of oz there's a lot of variations that i really want to check out now so i'm definitely going to be doing that for sure yeah that's cool i i was excited when I first I have not seen Wicked I am familiar with the songs a bit because my kids became familiar with it and then I heard the songs and they have seen it so I have heard the songs um, but I read the book Wicked and it is a very different variation on the story than than others that I had encountered and and I really enjoyed it but it's one of those stories because of the popularity of the movie I think people have interest in it in all kinds of different genres and stuff like that. Um, how do you think the overall story and themes of The Wizard of Oz 
can help, regardless of which variation we're talking about? How do you think the overall story and themes can help us think about the world in new ways? Well, it's about how Dorothy's companions want something that they have not, like courage, brains, and a heart, but they have it inside of them. It's not by achieving them, but by finding inside of them. Yes, absolutely. Essentially, it's a story about like how all those characters wanted to find those things, but the Oz told them, actually, you all had those things within inside yourselves. You just needed to go on this long journey to find those strengths within yourselves. But I also see it as a metaphor of the populist movements, movements that happened between the late 1800s and early 1900s, how people were oppressed by the rich and powerful. Yes, and that really stays true, even in the other iterations, really stays true to something that was a big part of the original book um, that maybe not everyone notices because there's so many different things to notice in the movie that we may not see it as clearly, but if you look at it, it is probably present, exactly what you talked about. Those themes are very present in all of those variations, too. What do you think, Jacob? Do you have any other thoughts about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so my thing with The Wizard was, I think immediately when I like think of themes regarding it, um, I think of the theme of you can accomplish more with friends than, al than when you're alone. Uh, so when you think about the story as a whole, uh, Dorothy's three friends that she encounters, the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man, they're alone, they have no friends, they're practically friendless, and in a sense, they're kind of helpless in a, in a way. Um, once it is apparent each of these three characters show their flaws to one another, there's a sense of friendship um, that can be picked up on, and I personally think it's really beautiful when you examine it more closely and in depth. Um, Dorothy... Uh, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion all help each other out with their friendship. Their bond is awesome to watch develop and unfold, and it truly shows that overarching theme of the fact that we can accomplish more with friends than when we, uh, than when we are alone. It really makes me think about cherishing my own friendships more and being thankful for what I have. That is so true. I agree with that completely. And I think, too, going back to some of the themes you all have all talked about this, some of the ways that those friends band together to go toward their journey and what they're looking for um, also does reflect the theme of the populist movement that Will was mentioning, because even though they band together, they still sometimes can't get past the hurdles that they face once they get to the wizard. And there's a lot of, as you've pointed out, Will, a lot of stuff about the wizard that kind of um, represents the establishment and, and things that aren't always, systems that aren't always kind to working folks, but it does take people working together to even move forward in a world that they don't have that much control over. So I think all of these are really good themes to think about. Another story many people are familiar with is Alice in Wonderland. This also started as a children's book, a novel called Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. There have since been sequels as well as many variations of the story in books, films, and theater. The story is fantasy, but also has many themes in it that we can relate to in the world we live in. What do you see as some of the themes of Alice in Wonderland, and how might this help us think more deeply about the world we live in? Well, in Carol's novel, it shows us that we use our imagination to help us escape our reality. 
in the end of the novel, Alice wakes up and learns that her her journey to Wonderland was actually a dream, and she and her sister imagines the same thing, but uses similar sounds that her sister encountered in a dream. And in one adaptation in the 1999 made for TV movie, Alice has stage fright and wants to escape, and so she uses her imagination. Yeah, those are really great themes to think about. One theme in Alice in Wonderland is that we need to have an open mind and be ready to accept when unexpected things happen or we meet with people or environments that are different. Also, we need to learn to embrace our own strengths and qualities. I absolutely agree with that. And I think we could all use more of that in the world, for sure. What do you think, Jacob? I think of Alice in Wonderland as it's such a wonderful classic to go back and rewatch over and over. It always brings me so much nostalgia. Um, the one theme that really stuck with me is probably the inevitable loss of childhood innocence is what I was thinking and in kind of how our bodies change. So through the story, Alice is going through so many physical changes during her journey and they're really abnormal to her. So in a sense, we can see that uh, these changes could be really traumatic for her. And I really feel like the constant changes she's experienced truly represents the way that a child feels as their body grows and changes in their transition from childhood to adolescence. It reminds me of when I was transitioning into my teens and kind of makes me sad to remember how innocent I used to feel as a child before learning about changes in humans and just more about the world in general, like growing up and uh, sort of going into adulthood in a sense from teenage, if that makes sense, sort of, yeah. Um, we don't really think of it when we're kids and... Um, in a sense, it makes me think about whenever I have my own kids and raise my own family someday, I really want them to enjoy their innocence and their youth before they begin to grow up. And so I really don't want them to rush that or anything. That's a really good point. Uh, I don't know if I had thought of it in, in precisely that way, uh, but that makes a lot of sense, especially a lot of times in, in fantastical stories. Um things can seem absurd or really exaggerated, but they really do speak to something that is happening in reality. So that's a really good comparison. Thank you. Frankenstein is another story that has seen many variations over the years and that we've talked about a lot because you all have read it in other classes and, and you've just enjoyed talking about it together. So Sarah and Will, you both read this for one of your classes recently and got to study it more in depth than most people do. The story of Frankenstein may be just as misunderstood as Frankenstein's creature. What do you see as important themes in the story of Frankenstein? Did this book make you think differently about how people treat each other in the world? Yes, it could be a metaphor how people mistreat other people who are different in appearance, sexuality, gender, ethnicity, and religious backgrounds. How, you know, if you're not following the status quo, you're seen as an outcast. I agree. Sarah, what do you think? One important theme in Frankenstein had to do with how people felt about science when Mary, when Mary Shelley wrote the story. Frankenstein was playing God when he brought life to his creature and that was unforgivable. Another theme in Frankenstein was that the creature was isolated and considered evil based on his appearance and how he was created. We need to learn that you cannot judge people because of their differences. I agree, and especially interesting 
um, since this was a creature created by someone else and yet took the rap for what people saw as uh, the flaws of that creature. And this kind of leads a little bit toward another genre I want to talk about that I know, Will and Sarah, that you're both very into, um, and that is horror. So some of us, like myself, have a hard time watching horror films because of the violence or terror they often show. But the storylines in horror stories can be truly interesting. And for fans of the genre, these stories have much more to them than others may think. What is one horror story, whether that be a book, story, movie, or series, that you think goes deeper than most people think? And what is something about that story that you think shows us something about the world or something about ourselves as humans? Well, I have I have a class I respect for the classic Universal monsters is they have a timelessness to them. In one half, it's early, it's nineteenth century Europe, but in the other half is present day thirties or forties. But the setting, but the setting is very ambiguous. It also shows us our like our dark nature that man is a true monster. How these monsters are maybe misunderstood beings, tragic figures, and outcasts. Yeah, and that's really interesting, Will. So you mentioned that it could be seen that. In some ways, we as humans are monsters, but you also mentioned that it could be that depictions of monsters are about people being misunderstood or being outcasts. So uh, I think some people are scared away from thinking about monsters because they worry that they might also have that capacity. But I, I think what you bring up is really interesting because I think any qualities in human nature that come out uh, are oftentimes there is some kind of tie to someone not being treated well. So I think that's good to keep in mind. Sarah, what are your thoughts about horror or any particular stories that speak to you? I think the Friday the 13th horror movies have a deeper storyline than most people think. Jason Voorhees, the villain, has a backstory that deals with being bullied as a child because of a facial deformity. He also had an overprotective and violent mother. I think it just shows us, again, that we shouldn't treat people differently because of their differences. Thank you. Jacob, I don't know if you're a fan of horror. What are your thoughts on this? I am actually a huge like horror movie fanatic. Okay. <laughs> I do love a, a lot of modern horror films. Um, so one of the scariest films that I've seen that's relatively new is Hereditary. Um, if you haven't seen it and you enjoy something genuinely frightening, um, I highly recommend watching it. I usually don't get scared at horror movies, but this one terrifies me. <laughs> um, and so the lore behind it goes really deep, but there's one theme that I found when watching it that may drift over a lot of people's heads. So um, I actually just recently read Jeanette McCarty's book, um, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Um, it's very, very good memoir um, by Jeanette. Highly recommend reading that as well. Essentially, in her book, she discusses the overall central theme of toxic parental expert, uh, expectations, which really got me thinking about Hereditary when you look back into it. Um, without giving any spoilers, essentially in the plot, the mother cared for her children so deeply, but the things that she would do for them were twisted in order to align with the ideologies of a family cult that was um, that her mother was a part of. It's like kind of gives you a sense of where the title came from. It's Hereditary in their genes. Um, it probably sounds like a lot and it's a little confusing, but bear with me. 
The consequences of the mother's actions essentially led her son and husband to view her with a ton of doubt and gave her this really bad reputation. So I really think the movie portrays the idea and burden of toxic expectations that can be set by parents, specifically mothers in this case, and how they can feel and even be uh, non-escapable sometimes. Wow, that does sound pretty intense. Sarah and Will, were either of you familiar with that particular movie? Oh, yeah. I've seen many clips of it. I find it very disturbing, but never got read the subtext about toxic parenting expectations. That's something that a lot of teenagers may face if they have toxic parents who want to, want to achieve better. Thank you, Will. Is that something you've heard of? I am not familiar with that movie or the book that was before it. So I am not familiar with either of those two things at all. Okay. Well, I probably will not check it out if, if I'm already scared of horror movies and that one, even scared of fanatic of horror films, then that's probably not the one for me to watch. But I do have an interest in reading that memoir. So thank you for that recommendation. Absolutely. Okay. We have talked about a lot of different stories that many people know, maybe a couple that people haven't known. So now I would like to give each of you a chance to say something about one of your own favorite stories or series that you have not gotten to talk about yet. So this could be a book, movie, series, any format or any genre. So Will, let's start with you. What is a story that has affected you a lot and which you believe says something really important about the world or the human condition? Well, there is a certain book that is very overlooked over time is Michael Indy's Neverending Story, which some people may be familiar with, not a film adaptation, but are not aware of its actual book source materials. In the book, it has it teaches us about how escapism, imagination uses our escapism, but it can be a danger about losing our identity and our egotism and how imagination can fuel a world, but we can lose ourselves in it at price. That's a really good example, and those are really good points. You mentioned that the movie version is what most people are familiar with and not the book, which is often true. Do you feel like the movie version did a decent job of carrying the story across? Well, they, fit, they focused on the first half of the book, but the rest is kind of a bit complex and has kind of a, well, darker and surreal aspects to it that is unable to adapt into film because it was made in the 80s. That's a good point. And I know that for, we've talked about this a lot because sometimes the film adaptations, they leave a lot out because a film would have to be really long for them to capture everything. Um, but yeah, so, so interesting. And if anyone out there is familiar with the movie and you liked it and want to like go further with it, you could always check out the book and maybe you'll learn some new things. Sarah, what is something that you are really um, interested in and would like to talk about? My favorite stories from out of the opera, the book and adaptations that were that were better before the 2004 version. I especially love the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical version on DVD. The Phantom of the Opera affected me because of the Phantom's history. Because of his appearance, the Phantom was abandoned as a child and never experienced what love or compassion felt like. He didn't get to learn right from wrong because he didn't have human connections. I think this shows that people need to be shown acceptance, love, and compassion to help them develop the same feelings for others. 
Okay, thank you. And you, as you mentioned before, that is something that uh, has come across in themes of, of some other things too. So I can see why these are share stories that you have interest in, that some of them have the same kinds of themes in them. I do recommend that for people who are fans of the musical that have not read the original novel by Gaston Leroux to please check it out at any bookstores that have it available. It is kind of better from the adaptations once you familiarize yourself with the musical versions that were before 2004. So if you haven't read the original uh, novel, I have the English translated version sitting at my house somewhere. If you haven't read that novel originally by Gaston LaRue, I do recommend that people who are still fans of it even before reading the book to check it out. It is a good story and it has a lot of character perspectives as they each give their own testimonials to how they know the Phantom versus how everyone that witnessed him actually came to know him. Good suggestion. Thank you for that suggestion. I hope some people will take that to heart. And Jacob, would you like to share anything about a story that has affected you a lot? Sure. I'll say, I talked about horror just now. I feel like the whole entire drama of horror kind of gives me a new perspective on um, appreciating my family that I have. I really like watching story, like watching horror films and things like that. But getting to see families struggle like that kind of, you know, makes me a little sad whenever I'm watching it in a sense. I know it's really scary, but it's also like kind of hard to see other families struggling. So I feel like it gives me a sense of like being more thankful for what I have in my family and just overall thankful that I don't have to deal with these crazy scenarios <laughs> that go on in movies. Absolutely. Do And I just have to ask real quick, do any of you all talk to the TV or the screen when you're watching horror movies to like tell people like, don't follow the music or things like that? Oh, yeah. I always try. I always, you know, know what's going to expect. You like just tell them go back in the house or don't find the source or the sounds. Yeah. I feel them as a morality plays that I'm glad I'm not those people. In my head, my brain goes... If you all have seen horror movies long before you came along, then why do you break the number one rule of splitting off from each other? Bad bad things happen when you split off from each other in these scenarios. And I'm always glad that I don't have to live like those people that make that decision. It sounds like you all agree on that point, that it makes you glad that you're not in those situations. And to yeah. that point, you just said, uh, Sarah... And then we'll wrap this up is that it reminds me of a question I used to have about a song that I heard growing up, which is called MTA by the Kingston Trio. And there's a line in the song that the premise of the song is this guy uh, gets on the subway and then they raise the fares while he's on there and they are asking him to pay a nickel in order to get off the train. And so it's, you know, it's a song that uses that as a device to tell this story and to, it's a, a political song, too, about raising of, of fare increases in uh, public transportation. But I remember hearing it, one of the lines in the song, they would say that Charlie's wife goes down to the Scully Square station every day at quarter past two, and through the open window, she throws Charlie a sandwich as the train goes rumbling through. So it's kind of like he just keeps riding the train forever. 
he's the man who never returned is the tagline of the song. Uh, but as a kid, you know, of course, I took it very literally. And I said, Mom, why didn't she just hand him a nickel instead of a sandwich? And she said, well, I guess then there wouldn't be, have been a song. And uh, I feel like that's true with the horror movies, too. They kind of want us to be telling the characters that. <laughs> and that's part of the that's part of the fun of it. And not to mention, like, any time one of them is screaming before being killed, the surviving ones always split off from each other because they want to find out where that sound, where the source of the sounds are coming from. And my head's just like, you all know it's a bad decision, right? Right. Maybe run away in the other direction. Yeah, my, my head goes like, my brain goes, maybe don't follow the source of the sounds. That's a good and point. And you'll live from that. Follow them? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the villain's going to find you anyway. Oh, by the way, have you ever seen a film, any films called Scream or Cabin in the Woods? Uh, I have heard of Cabin in the Woods film. I am not familiar with the film itself. Well, I am familiar with the first Scream movie that was ever made, though. Aired on my TV once, that's how I'm familiar with the first film. I even watched the first Scream movie because I heard it was funny, which it was. It, re- but it, it was really also yes. truly scary, <laughs> and it was also truly a horror film, so it was scary to me. It, it kind of pokes fun at like the rules of horror movies, and it's like there's a mysterious killing person that like calls people on their phones. Great said the year the movie was set in an era where corded phones were still a thing. Yes, and the villain, the killer, keeps calling up his victims on those, and then he'll ask like, "What is your favorite horror movie?" And then they ask. And then they get asked a question, what, is, what are the rules of the horror movies? And they have to say that it's don't split off from each other, don't follow the source of the mysterious sounds. Yes. And don't do anything bad like having sex or drugs or drinking. That, because in Friday the 13th, that was a huge thing the counselors kept doing and all of the sequels. And it was just a matter of time before they decided they were all split off from each other with it not turning out to be a good idea, because that's how Jason finds them easily. Exactly, and I think these are partly where these stories come about and why they're so popular. Okay, I guess we better wrap up. So this has been a wonderful conversation about impactful stories. Thank you to Will, Sarah, and Jacob for sharing your thoughts with us today. And to anyone listening, we appreciate you tuning in to the Community Spotlight podcast. This podcast, again, was started by students in the College and Career Studies program at UK, and it is a space for students in inclusive higher education programs to explore topics of interest and connect with people and the community. The podcast is recorded and produced by the media team at Human Development Institute. If you're interested in learning more or being on the podcast, please reach out to us and let us know. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having us. See ya. This has been Community Spotlight. Thanks for listening.